Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. There's a lot of work being done to make workplaces more inclusive when it comes to eliminating bias on the basis of gender or race or sexual orientation. But a problem that doesn't seem to get the same type of attention is class bias in the workplace. What exactly is class bias? How big a problem is it? And how can it be addressed? We talk about all of this with C.J. Gross. He is the author of the new book, What's Your Zip Code Story? Understanding and Overcoming Class Bias in the Workplace. He is also the founder of Ascension Worldwide, a firm dedicated to diversity, equity, and inclusivity training and consulting. The book, What's Your Zip Code Story, Understanding and Overcoming Class Bias in the Workplace, kind of what was the inspiration for writing it? You know, Matt, the inspiration was um, a couple of things. One, I had a colleague that I worked with, and um, I remember talking to him about, um, you know, uh, like racism. And in my mind, this guy was an African-American male, same as me, but he, he identified with being part of the LGBTQ community. And in my mind, my story was he's probably going to have more biases than me to overcome. And as we talked and chatted about our background, our past experiences, he was talking about being excluded from the country club. Right. So I was like, totally not my experience. And the more I talked to him, the more I realized that it was more than just race that we were talking about. We were talking about class where we we're ultimately talking about the zip code story. And so. After that, I delivered another presentation um, for my company and, I, and people walked away thinking totally different around the conversation. It opened their eyes to a different um, lens in the work of diversity, equity and inclusion. Uh, and so ultimately, what really inspired me to, to move forward you know, with the TED talk in the book was I delivered a presentation around this topic. It wasn't called the zip code story at the 2019 SHRM, Society for Human Resource Management Conference. And I have imposter syndrome. So I was like, I am not supposed to be speaking at this conference. I'm only 18 months into this, you know, this work. And when I when I got in the room, I ultimately changed, you know, changed some things in my presentation. And when I got in the room, it wasn't my my speaking ability. It wasn't the content because I'd like, you know, put it together at the last minute. It was the space that people had an opportunity to share their own background, past experiences. Again, what then morphed into the zip code story and literally people were weeping. They had to pull the plug, the the AV person had to pull the plug um, to the microphones because people wouldn't stop. They had to shut the lights off so people would leave the room. And it was right then and there I realized that this is a game changer around the diversity conversation. And lastly, lastly, I realized the work that we do in diversity, equity, inclusion is at times polarizing, right? And it's because we're we're you know we're we're focused on specific identities and the and the, and the the difference in them. We're not looking at how do we really solve this problem? How do we bring more voices to the table? How do we make the conversation more inclusive to all, no matter their background? I'm fascinated with this when it comes to class bias in the workplace. Do you feel the problem is more purposeful or because people genuinely don't realize it. You know, they're not trying to to play down or keep people away, but they honestly don't 
appreciate other people's experience and, and what they've gone through and stuff like that. But what do you feel? Is it more, I almost want to say accidental than on purpose? Yeah, I would say it's not on people's radar. So Matt, basically when we have conversations, definitely around diversity, it's, it's about identity, right? We don't really think about, you know, that aspect of our background that in, influences the way we see others based on a um, hierarchy perspective. Bias is not bias, right? We People don't get up in the morning, it's been a world of diversity and it lands on a specific group and they're like, oh yeah, millennials are going to get it today. 99.9% of our biases we're not aware of, right? And that happens at an organizational level, leadership level, at a systems level in an organization. So to answer your question, you know, people are not aware of it. And even the more, the more we talk about the, the diversity, we don't really talk about class as much. And so because we're not focusing on it and we're not digging into the aspects of how that actually applies to race or gender or any of the other identities. So it's just that we're, it's not on our radar right now. And that's, again, the purpose of the book. To the point of it not being on our radar, why do you think that is? Is it because we are so focused on, you know, inclusion with regards to race, sexual identity, and that's where a lot of the good faith focus is? Or is it the fact that the most of the people making the decisions are of one class? So there's not the there's not a recognition of there being that much problem because the people in that circle are of, of the same class? I will answer your question in, in a story. So, you know, there's a husband and a, and a, and a wife and, and they, they're having dinner and the husband is looking at the turkey, uh, they're having Thanksgiving dinner. So looking at, he's looking at the turkey and he's looking at the turkey and he notices the butt of the turkey is cut off. And this happens every year. He never really thought about it, never asked any questions. We finally asked his wife, so why, why is the butt of the turkey cut off? And she says, I don't know, because my mom, cut the butt off the turkey. And that's just what we did. So he says, listen, I'm going to find out once and for all. He drives over to the mom's house and he asks her the question, you know, why do you cut the butt off the turkey? Because my wife does it. She says, you do it. And she says, you know, my mom, which is his wife's grandmother, she cut the butt off the turkey. And so that's what we what we're used to doing. So he then drives to the grandmother's house. He he asks her the same question. You know, your 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 granddaughter, your daughter cuts the butt off the turkey. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on, right? And why do you cut the butt off the turkey? And she says, "Well, you know, when I was coming up, you know, we didn't have much money, and we we used a really small pan. So in order to fit the turkey into the pan, we had to cut the butt off of it." So now we have larger pans. Now we have all of the resources necessary, but yet we still cut the butt off the turkey. So that that story is really indicative of us, us doing the same thing over and over. And we don't know why we do it. Right. And this is like historically we've done that, you know, definitely in the United States and on a global scale. And so people don't know what they don't know because it almost is taught to us as a just a part of the culture, part of the norm, part of what is accepted in the United States. We don't look at um, classes the same as um, developing countries. Class is more of a forefront. It's more of a in-your-face thing because it's, you know many countries have class biases, but it's a part of the culture and they, you know it's caste systems. And so, because of this, it is very hard for us to look at something and say, "Here's how this group got to this place," right? 
And there is a correlation with class and race, right? So you'll see certain groups of people who are in the uh, minority groups. You will find them, not many, but you'll find them at the higher levels of a society and organizations. And it's because class is also about culture and rules and knowing what and how to kind of operate in these different environments. And once you learn those rules, right, you can you can ascend to different class levels, right? And so that really is, uh, I think, that's the underlying conversation that that people need to kind of be aware of. I think people hear this and they probably understand the concept, but can you help crystallize what would fall under class bias in the workplace? Just kind of maybe everyday things that may, people might hear, be able to relate to themselves and go, oh, I never thought of it that way. Sure, the biggest one is in recruiting and hiring. HR professionals every day will look at a resume. And on that resume, they'll look at experiences. They'll also look at education. And because they are consistently looking at those resumes, your brain, based on Daniel Kahneman's work in his book, Thinking Fast and Slow, says the brain will classify people, places, and things in our what he calls our fast brain, our system one thinking. And so what the brain does is say, okay, whatever college it is, it could be University of Maryland, it could be uh, Georgetown, you know, it could be a community college, your brain will classify where that college will fall based on your background, your past experiences, and categorize that based on the algorithm put together without your intention or awareness, and will rank it. And so without thinking about it, without it being intentional, or without control over it, your brain will decide this resume over this resume. Something as simple as that happens every single day that changes the trajectory of people's careers. It creates an opportunity for some and it excludes other. And we call it requirements. Those are the biases that we use. It's like, oh, it's required to have this level of you know, um, education or it's required to have this level of experience. But when we are, or, are more aware of it, we realize that our brain is ranking people. Here's another one. You know, someone comes and works on a team. You know, and so one of the things you start to do is you start to look for similarities, right? The brain seems sees same as meaning safe. Same means safe. You golf, I golf. Awesome. Now, whether we go golfing or not is irrelevant. The, the point is that we're making a connection. That is a part of class bias. And again, classification, not just in a hierarchy, like you you have a you know higher grade or experience than me. That's a part of it, but it is also what is valued in this particular uh, environment. So in corporate America, you know, for me as being a male, like playing golf, just give you an example is one of the things. And when you can have a conversation or dialogue around those type of activities that at times cost money or traveling, you know, I've had, I've heard people say that a person is not well-traveled does not have a certain sophistication. And as we have conversations with people in the workplace, we then decide how much time we're going to spend with that person. If we're going to invite them to lunch or not, who's our go-to person on a job? Who would be ideal for this particular stretch opportunity or, or leadership position? And we make those decisions every single day down to what we put on to go to work. Like when we're doing a presentation or maybe you're in a situation where you're dating someone, you're like, oh, I want to and I want to look a certain way. This also connotes that there's a class conversation happening. We need to take a break. We will continue our conversation with CJ Gross right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. And we are back on KYW News Radio in depth, continuing our conversation with CJ Gross, author of the new book, What's Your Zip Code Story Understanding and Overcoming Class Bias in the Workplace. 
you've laid out kind of the breadcrumbs for this, but specifically the zip code, which you reference in the title of the book. Take me through how the zip code can play such a big role in in your future. Yeah, Matt. So that's an excellent question. So first, let's define a zip code story, right? Because people think it's just about where you grew up. So it's not just about where you grew up. It's about how you grew up. It's about the sights and sounds outside of your door. It's about the conversations that you had around the dinner table in your house, or even if you had conversations around the dinner table. Those experiences and how you were parented the communication that happened in your household, whether you were affirmed or not, whether education was important, hard work was important. All those things create a background and lens and backdrop in the way in which the way we see the world, as well as the way that we see one another. And so that zip code story is also about it, it helps us to mitigate stereotyping. So I might say, oh, you're from the Midwest. Well, that means this. That's my story. Oh, you grew up in New York. Uh, you know, if I'm in the South, I might say, oh, you're, you know, fast paced, you're rude, you you live in that, uh, you know, expensive penthouse or whatever it is. Right. So the zip code story is is the combination of where you grew up and how you grew up and the stories that are created from those experiences. So that entail is basically what the what the zip code story is. One of the big problems in America specifically right now is income inequality and this growing divide. And how much does this type of almost unconscious class bias help to push on that, make that even worse because, you know, same is safe. So the same people keep getting more opportunities. And me personally, I don't think you have to work very hard. You know, it's it's just a couple of jumps from one to the other now. So, yeah, we have to be more intentional. Right. We have to be more intentional in terms of how do we break those those habits, those unconscious habits. And again, it's not obviously the outcome is not great for companies, organizations and and culture and attrition or retention. But the first thing is we need to be aware that there is a deeper conversation to be had around diversity. Number one. And number two is that we we need to focus on not the as much as the symptom but the problem, the actual problem. And so here's an example. We wrote an article to help people, you know, because this is a really big conversation to help people kind of digest this, this information. And so we, we narrowed it down to three concepts that will actually help move this conversation into actionable items. And we call it the three C's. So number one, companies, HR professionals need to mechanize this, this conversation into these three different areas. And number one is, the number, the first C is to cultivate leadership opportunities and cultural opportunities for individuals. Because once you see how other people experience life, it helps you bring a better understanding and awareness to the conversation, as well as character, right? To be able to have those uncomfortable conversations. I've had a lot of people say um, when we do workshops and trainings, you know, I'm not privileged, right? People keep saying I'm privileged, but I work just as hard as everyone else. And that is absolutely true. And you know, there are some opportunities that the way the brain classifies even race will put one group over another based on that. So but we still call that that class. Right. But when you have the, the, the character to actually have that conversation, then you then you increase. Right. And so the the other part of that is cultivating the other next C is cultivating relationships and the biggest relationship. And I talk about this a lot. I talk about it in the book, videos on it you know, which is mentorship. Mentorship is the biggest component to equity that 
doesn't really cost as much money, but it, it requires more intentionality. I literally wouldn't be talking to you on this Zoom call if it wasn't for someone who mentored me, who opened doors for me, shined the light on opportunities that I couldn't see. And it was people who, who, who looked different than me, had a different upbringing than me, had a different zip code than me, but was inclusive and intentional enough to bring me into a conversation and to open doors for me. And so the last C is credentials, credentials, credentials. What does it take to be successful? What does it take to move from one class or one group to the other? And we think it's education, right? That is a big credential. And yes, education is a big part of it. But are there, there are these unseen credentials that we don't talk about that are very important as you move from one group to another, one social group to another. And it could be travel, right? So the more you travel, the more you understand different perspectives of different cultures. And you can have different conversations. I live in rural Pennsylvania. There are people who do not look like me, who have a different background than me, who, you know, there's so many differences, but the environment is so inclusive. It allows me to gain insight in a perspective that I wouldn't have or I didn't have when I grew up. That applies in the workplace because I'm able to say I sit down and talk to farmers. I sit down and talk to people who are, you know, maybe on a different political perspective than I have. And I'm able to understand them, but I don't just understand them. I hang out with them. I go fishing with them. I go ride dirt bikes with them. That's part. That is a credential that we don't talk about. Having those experiences and exposures to different cultures and um, backgrounds is, is a game changer when you're sitting at the table and you're trying to lead a group of people. When you're trying to get your point across, you need to be able to articulate from that person's perspective better than they can articulate themselves. So those three C's mechanizing a company's organization's um, strategy for diversity, equity, inclusion helps blow this out the, out the water when it comes to creating impact in this conversation. And from a day-to-day standpoint, people hear this, some lights maybe go on that, oh, you know, I never really thought about that, but I do some of those things or, man, well, last time I had a job search, I remember thinking X, Y, and Z. Are there little things that people can do every day in the workplace to just try to take steps in the right direction? Sure, Matt. I mean, the biggest thing is um, curiosity, right? Lean into curiosity. That's actually the biggest takeaway from the book is to, in order to expand your zip code, you have to lean into curiosity around people, places, and things. Because the brain categorizes people, places, and things. And so the first thing, uh, let's say, for example, a hiring manager or maybe a manager just lean into, you know, not that this person is just a normal worker, but they have a background, they have an experience. What, what brought them to this work? What brought them to the area? You know, what is it about their background that makes them good at this? Or where do they want to go? So leaning into curiosity, pulling, maybe even having coffee conversations with people that don't have anything to do with their performance plan, team, team members, leaning into curiosity of people, what talents do they have and skills that they have that we're not utilizing within the workplace. If you're not in management, you're an individual contributor, same thing. Lean into curiosity about your managers and the boss. Don't just put them in a category. Again, we classify, oh, that's the boss. They're this, they're that. They have education from this place. They're never going to understand me. Lean into what's keeping them up at night. Lean into what's bringing them to the job. Lean into what, what they like to do outside of work, obviously, in a, in a healthy um, and inclusive way. So, I mean, that that would be the biggest. There's tons of other things in the book, but that would be the biggest thing to take away. Lean in the curiosity, differences around all of the things that we've been talking around about diversity, equity, inclusion. Just lean into it. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.